All right. Awesome. Well, hello, Lee. How are you? I'm doing great, Greg. Have awesome. To I was like, got me all fancy here in this setup. I got like lights and cameras and microphones. So I was like, all righty then. This is yeah. a real deal. Well, welcome. <laughs> well, thank know, you. Has it been like, how long has it been since we actually saw like, each other like, like in face real to life face. yeah like not through like a not tv through, monitor yeah or i mean something i saw like you that. every single morning for well, about true. 18 months but, um, <laughs> uh <laughs> i think it was before was it before all the covid stuff kicked off no or i think did i made you, one you i, made I one came down like months. once so i think we've only like in the past 18 months it's probably been only once okay yeah. that's crazy that is crazy i mean yeah if you think about it i mean i mean there's been a lot going on in your life. I will have to admit that every morning, you know, y'all see Millie on some of his social media. I, I miss Greg, but I have to admit, I kind of miss Millie. You know, that was always a fun little, fun little segue each morning. She was she's such a cutie. Yeah. She's, um, she misses seeing everybody on the, on our morning marketing. Stand oh yeah. Ups. Well, she had, a, she had an interactive call every morning. Everybody's yeah. like, Oh, Millie. Yeah. TV doesn't talk to her anymore. Yeah. So, oh, it's yeah. sad. Yeah. But, I send you videos from you time do. to time. You do. I do get my videos. It she's makes now, me smile. Uh, yeah, she's now, yesterday she was uh, on the go. She's starting to walk with a oh, little Lord. assistance, but um, yeah. Life will never be the same. No. They start walking, no. they start moving, getting into everything. Yeah. She'll be a year old next month? Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, like five weeks away. She'll be one. Aw. So, yeah. God, she's coming along. Crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. You've already got her on the boat. You probably have her fishing. She knows how to make her own like little fly things that you make, all that stuff. Yet? Not quite yet. She keeps like if I even bring her in. So I, in, in my office at home, I have it split up where I have like my computer and office set up. I then have all my fly tying uh. crap. <laughs> and so it's a pretty dangerous place for her to be <laughs> because there's like beads and hooks and all uh, types probably of not like. The best baby feathers and stuff and so she doesn't she doesn't get much in there no, but that's true. she has been on the boat she has made it to the beach she likes getting outside and well, good. Uh, and um yeah she actually gets a, a, a nice little tan which oh. is <laughs> which my wife was happy with that's good. our yeah. other girls are like super pale and um so yeah she's she's got the a good tan going that's good my kids get tan their mother does not so <laughs> i completely understand that i'm super jealous well yeah. good yeah well thank you for uh thanks for coming i hope you had a, a good trip out uh down here to florida i did i mean flying i will i have to say you know when everybody says you know i have to go i have to go to the office for work or i have to fly in because i've been working what remote since 2017 yeah they're like well where do you go i was like Southwest Florida. I have to go to Bonita Springs. And they're like, oh, never mind. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. go to cool well, that places. Doesn't suck. It's that yeah. doesn't exactly. That doesn't suck. I have to go down to Bonita Springs for a few days. Easy direct flight, easy airport. You know, I was yeah. I think I did post on my LinkedIn. I think you laughed at me a little bit, but I had the soup the happiest guy sitting beside me and he was watching. I don't know what he was watching. I couldn't tell, and I was trying not to be overly nosy. But, you know, he's sitting there, and he's just, like, cracking up while he's watching this. And so I'm sitting there on the other side. He's in the aisle. I'm by the window. And, you know, it just kind of makes you think with all the craziness that's going on in the world, with the, um, you know, with the negativity, the fighting, the just the chaos, you know, just like a pure, honest laugh and reaction Yeah, was so nice to hear. 
you know, it's kind of like a baby's laugh. You know, there's yeah. there's nothing behind, there's nothing better than a baby's laugh. And, you know, because it's just so pure and innocent. Yeah. But just hearing somebody laugh and smile and or seeing them smile, I guess I didn't hear them smile. But, yeah. you know, it was just nice. It was really nice. So it made the flight a little bit better. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. And you're always... One of the things I've always loved about you is your your positive spin on on just about everything and, and oh, yeah. keeping that positive focus. And yeah, I saw your post and I was laughing. Because like, <laughs> you've probably no, seen me I, sitting yeah. there trying not to laugh, <laughs> trying not to laugh, sitting there trying to look in at the window like, because you want to discourage somebody yeah. or say, hey, what are you watching? Is it really good? Yeah, I've always been guilty. Like I, I, um, I haven't been flying much lately, True. but you know, back before last year, I was flying like nonstop, like, you know, 30, 40 weeks out of the year. Right. And, uh, and so I'd be watching things on my iPad or my laptop on the plane. And uh, one of my favorites was um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh. Which <laughs> I always watch that on the plane and I would just be like killed over laughing and people are probably looking at me like this isn't the place for this, but... It was it was a great way to uh, to pass time on uh, on all my travels. It's better than crying. It's like you know, yeah. there's no way you're gonna catch me watching like Band of Brothers or something yeah. on a flight where I'm just yeah. like boohooing, asking the, the um, flight attendant for tissues or something like that. Much rather hear people laughing. Um, yeah, you talk about like curb your enthusiasm. Whose line in is it anyway? Yeah. I love that watching reruns of that. And uh, what's the other show? I, I also watched on on like Delta where they'd have you know oh, they have mm-hmm. the, the the shows uh, Impractical Jokers. I don't oh, that's know if a good you've one. seen that, yeah, but that's a good one. That's that's another one of my favorites where it's just some of the stuff is so like ridiculous and like cringy that it's uh, yeah it makes yeah. it makes for a good um, good watch on on the flights. So I have like a, so. I get real embarrassed for other people. So like when you get too cringy, I start yeah. to get embarrassed. Yeah. It's rather than funny. And I'm yeah. just like, I can't watch people do that. I can't. It's like my daughter's watching some like bachelor show. And I was like, I can't watch it. It's too no. cringy. Now I can watch other people, things like that. Some of the jokes are funny and stuff like that, but I don't do cringy. No. And we have like a whole society based on cringy. Yeah. And I'm like, I just can't, I can't, I can't, I get embarrassed for them. What would I do in that situation? But yeah, you know, life, I, I mean, you I do. Some people say I have like a little Pollyanna um, view of life and I don't. I'm very realistic in what it is. I just, I think I've made a conscious decision a long time ago is that I can either dwell in the negative or focus on the positive and move forward. And I was reading actually an article that was talking about, um, uh, was it, I always say the word wrong, (laughs) remunerating, I mean, or um, progressing. You know, am I, am I actually like take in my, Am I evaluating things and looking at what, like, to make things better? Or am I just sitting there and just dwelling on what's negative and what's going wrong? Yeah. And, you know, how do you make that? And so I've always tried not to do that because it's very easy to get stuck in, like, the quagmire of what's going on. And you just, it, you, it doesn't, it's, it's not helping anybody. Sure. It doesn't, yeah, you need to vent for a minute, but now it's time to move on. Yeah. And what's, what's the next? And so I've had, I've made a conscious decision in my life to try to do that, whether it's work, family, kids, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, I guess we met maybe five years ago for the first time. And then I don't know when we, when you came on board and we started working together. Yeah. Um, when was that four years ago? 
four years ago, 2017. Okay. And, you know, we, it was kind of one of those things where we had met and I knew, you know, you knew a lot of people in the industry and we were looking to grow the company. It was like, Hey, these are, this is where we're trying to go. We don't really have a job description, <laughs> um, but do you want to you want to be a part of it? And um, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> I know that's what I tell people. It's like I wasn't really, you know, when you talk about like the power of LinkedIn and yeah. you know networking and yeah. you know because we had, you know, we had run in the same circles and we had talked a few times and doing some different things and. But it was, I remember y'all, um, Flight Docs before that had received like some additional funding. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there's like all these job postings. And I was like, okay, Greg, dude, seriously. What yeah, what's, it, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. I mean, and with no intention necessarily of a job, it's just things were exciting. It yeah. was, it was cool to see what was, what was happening. Yeah. And then the next thing I knew I had a job. Yeah. And I didn't have to commute anymore. I was yeah. like, oh, wait, <laughs> you can work from home. You don't have to drive to DFW airport. I was like, yeah. yes, score. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, you know, it was, uh. It was just kind of reaching out, networking, um, and you know, it it was. I loved where I was before. I was at Flight Safety, worked with wonderful people there, loved all my customers. You know, luckily staying kind of in the same circles, I was able to keep working with those same customers, keep staying involved with the same organizations. Actually, at a at a at a higher level, I was able to take that involvement and kind of take it to a higher level. Um, coming over to the flight docs, and you know, now with ATP and stuff like that. So, you know, it was. It was kind of a natural progression yeah, in my sure. personal career, as well as getting to be more involved in like the business side of what was going on. You know, um, smaller company, more um, more exposure in what was going on, um, understanding more about what um, working as the business, and understanding more about like the operations of a flight department. So that was that was a lot because I'd always been kind of on the maintenance and training side. Right. So coming over to more about the oper- maintenance operations side, and then. Of course, the entire flight department operations, you know, it was really, obviously, it intrigued me enough. I yeah, got a new job, <laughs> got a whole new career line out of it, going different places, <laughs> looking at different stuff. So, no, it was a very fortuitous conversation. Yeah, yeah, it turned out well. and I would say it turned out pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it turned out pretty good. And so now, fast forward, you're now, you know, last year, Flight Docs, ATP merged, right. went through that. Um, we actually brought together... We had a marketing team. Mm-hmm. ATP had a marketing team. Um, the whole company merged together, right. and uh, out of that, you're now the VP of marketing at yep. ATP. And um, you know, we worked together in in bringing that merge, and kind of there was a lot that went into you know doing a, a rebrand and new oh, website, oh, and there's there's a lot that that goes on. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was really like the marketing that you guys are doing and the team that you're that you're leading now and you put in a lot of heavy lifting to kind of put in this I'll, I'll call it a really like a marketing infrastructure right um you know and i think that for me as i'm talking to a lot of the companies in aviation whether te- they're technology companies or charter operators mm-hmm. or you know parts suppliers or vendors, whatever, whatever they may be. I think a lot of companies that you look at, um, they may maybe struggle a little bit in kind of building up an effective marketing team. 
Yeah. Um, and some of the smaller companies, it, it ends up being kind of like a part-time job for somebody that right. is either in like the sales department or is an executive. Um, that's kind of what I did like years ago was yep. like, as I was doing all these other different things, I was like, oh crap, we got to get that DOM <laughs> ad like put together and, and yes. off to Bob and uh, over at DOM. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was, it was always kind of like this, uh, it was almost a secondary thing. It's an afterthought. It's an afterthought when in reality, you know, marketing is just such a, a critical piece of growing your business. And I think even, you know, what I was just referencing was maybe five or six years ago mm -hmm. before I think really LinkedIn had, right. had become a, a big platform for, for our industry. Um, there was a lot of like print ads. There was, mm -hmm. you know, our trade shows. There was, um, there was some, I'd say like digital advertising, like banner ads and stuff like that. But I think a lot has, has kind oh, of gosh. transformed in, in the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, what I wanted to ask you is like, can you walk us through kind of this infrastructure and, and what the what the team looks like today and and how you've been effective in in uh, in building that well I think you're I think you know you're spot on there's a it's about the infrastructure and regardless of the size of your marketing team I mean one of the great things about today is that you can even if you can't hire like full-time people there's so many different tools out there that you can allow you to have like a big marketing department feel right. without the overhead of a big marketing department. Mm -hmm. Now you can also get sucked into a lot of marketing <laughs> company. I don't want to say nonsense, but there's, you have to be very focused on what it is you can do, mm -hmm. what it is that you're, you know, what are your goals and understanding because I mean, marketing uh, agencies, they're marketers. They know how to sell you. That's right. what they do. And right. so it takes, you know, you need to take a step back and think about what it is exactly that we're, what I need for my organization. And when I think about marketing and now I didn't come from a marketing background, I ended up in marketing. I say I'm kind of an aviation person who is now in marketing, yep. which brings a different perspective to it. Sure. And but I think about it and, you know, you're always doing marketing. My original, like I said, I was in the education side of it, but it was also starting a nonprofit and I call it like guerrilla marketing because we had no money. Yeah, <laughs> We had no money. And this was a lot before, you know, this was a lot before like the social media. So we didn't have a lot of those things. So, you know, it, that kind of changed my perception. And honestly, if I, I somehow got a bachelor's in business without a single marketing class. Don't ask me how. <laughs> I went to pro. I had a program, uh, project management focus in my in my bachelor's degree. But anything I learned then is almost completely irrelevant yeah, now. Sure. And that's okay. But one of the things when I think about marketing, it's really about no matter what channel, how you're doing it, it's about telling a story and connecting with your customers, connecting with your current customers, connecting with your prospects, and connecting with the industry. So when I think about that, it's like, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about the infrastructure and we live in a digital world now. So do you have an effective website? I mean, that's at the very, at the very most basic, do you have an effective website? And it's easy to build one, but have you built the right one? Right. And, you know, search engine op optimization is so important. It's, um, you know, when you're talking about, when you're talking about being found and 
how it, how is that website going to transfer in to getting people in the door? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big piece. I also think it's very hard, easy to overcomplicate your website. Sure. I think almost anything is so easy to try to shove everything into I think it's better to simplify. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've, we've had that conversation. <laughs> we've had that conversation. Before. Yeah. And, you know, I think everything has a place, but at the same time, you want to streamline what's going on. And so when you're looking at these different pieces, you know, who do you have a good website? Do you have somebody on staff who can manage that website? Or do you have a relationship with a good vendor mm-hmm. or a good contractor or something along those lines? And so, like, we have a couple of different people that we have help with ours, right. as well as we manage quite a bit of it internally. But, you know, but then like, and also one of the worst things in the world is to start Googling marketing terms. Oh my Lord. <laughs> uh, because just the, just the sheer volume of yeah. what happens. But, you know, as you're learning, and you're going through it. I think we've, you know, there's always, everybody always wants to know how many leads do I have? How many leads do I have? Da, 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 da. What, what's a MQL? And it's very easy to get lost also, I believe, in vanity metrics. That's what I call them. Mm-hmm. And so like a couple of things that we've kind of adopted is we have responses, which are quantity. We're doing MQLs, which are quality. And then how does that translate in? Because we do want to, you do want to measure and have an idea of what, of where, of your reach. Sure. You know, how much is getting out there? How many people are looking at your social posts? How many people are clicking on different things? You definitely want to know that. But a lot of that's about quantity. Yeah. And then actually looking at your MQLs for quality. Because the worst thing you want to do is hand over just a bunch, just a bunch of stuff to your sales department. And, you know, if only five, 10% of those are actually worth calling, right. all you've done is waste 95% of their time. Yeah. So, and it's hard. It's very, very hard. But at the same time, though, taking that extra step and working towards that quality metric, I think is something that you need to do. And so depending on what your team is, like some people may be a solo one. So you're actually able to go through and you make sure and you look at it. Um, Automation is a big key, especially the bigger the company gets. You know, you you want to automate as much as possible, possible, possible. <laughs> um, but you know, there's um, using those tools like HubSpot is a great tool to use. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, you know, they have a CRM tool, they have the marketing automations tools. You know, there's a lot of CRM things you can go out Salesforce, um, HubSpot. Yeah. But like I say, don't overcomplicate things either. Right. It's just so well, easy I, to overcomplicate. Yeah, ba- backing up just a sec, I think one of the one of the really important things about marketing, and I think where um, you see a lot of marketing teams go maybe off the rails, uh, mm-hmm. and and you talk to a lot of organizations where there's this internal kind of like battle between yes. marketing and sales, and I'll, right. I think. A lot of people are very familiar with this, with this mm-hmm. struggle on like, okay, what, you know, what is marketing doing? Marketing, uh, I think a lot of, um, a lot of salespeople think marketing may be running kind of independently right. and they have their own goals and their own metrics. And, you know, if you are measuring your business just based on like the quantity of MQLs exactly. or measuring the marketing team's success based on the number of MQLs, probably failing as a as a marketing team right just by mm-hmm. looking at and saying hey we brought in 10 percent more mqls than last month okay well who are those people it, are they qualified are they legit you know what's their likelihood to close and so i think 
that one of the one of the things that you're bringing to that to the team is that you know you have this aviation background mm-hmm. and so you're looking at things through the lens of okay I know you know we are primarily selling to like directors of, of maintenance Correct. which is kind of like our key um, our key contact in, in most of our products right and so you were looking at things through the lens of the DOMs and then saying, okay, everything that we, we do and we put out should be focused on relatable, relatable and, and building, you know, um, building awareness, Mm -hmm. building comfort, getting them familiar to the point where, okay, if either they're going to come inbound and say, Hey, we want to do a demo or we want to talk to somebody about this or you know, we did, our sales team did a lot of outbound activity. And mm-hmm. so I always looked at it in a way of, okay, we're doing outbound. Sales is really a critical, you know, component of success. I think especially in our industry, there's, right. there's, I'll say limited, you know, th- there's always this hesitancy for change in, uh, <laughs> in our industry. Yes. Uh, I think some of that is changing. And so it's not every day that, um, our buyers are necessarily looking for new solutions. And so we're trying to educate them on that. But when those salespeople pick up the phone and go outbound, we want those prospects to be, you know, as familiar as possible where they're willing to take that that cold call and, oh, yeah. and have a look, right? Well, and I think, you know, that's that's where you get into like how are you um how are you showing that you're not just I don't want to say altruistic. It's like you you know, you want to be a part of the industry. You right. want to make sure that they know and this industry uh, you know, I've always said it's a worldwide industry but a very small community. Mm-hmm. Very small community. Yep. And so in order to succeed, you need to be part of that community. Right. You need to have that, um, I, I don't know, skin in the game. I don't know how better way to say it, but you know, they need to know that you have a skin, some skin in the game that you, that you understand and appreciate what's going on in their flight departments. And, you know, one of the reasons I've always said, like some of the things that they're so hesitant to change is because once that aircraft takes off, they have no more control. So that is always a variable. When that, when that airplane takes off, that helicopter takes off, they are out of control now. And they don't know what's going to happen. Um, so they've done everything in their power to make sure that that's a safe flight for everybody right. involved. So because they can't control that, they don't want to change the stuff that's in the hangar. They don't yeah. want to change the stuff that's on the ground because that they can control. Yeah. So sometimes they look at change like, you know, there's all this stuff that's not there. But at the same time, you know, even when our barriers earliest conversations, Greg, was there's better ways to do things. So let's, let's work. And that was a lot of what attracted me to make that change was because here, here there's, there's, I don't want to, it's not necessarily better, but we have tools that can help to relieve the burden, mm-hmm. you know, let you work on the aircraft that you want, let you, let you do the part of the job that you like. Yep. You don't like the paperwork part, right? You don't want to do the paperwork part. And especially if you do it right, you don't want to do the paperwork part because it takes time. Mm-hmm. So spend your time, on the aircraft, not on the paperwork. And so that was also, but you know, you have to have that comfort level that one, it works. And two, you know, it's going to be okay. Sure. And so there's, there's a hesitancy and, and that's okay though, but that's how you start um, 
reinforcing that you're part of the industry. And that is, you know, with thought leadership, you know, mm -hmm. getting involved, being involved in the organizations, um, bringing in guests to speak, you know, it's, de right. it's definitely not me telling you how to run your flight department. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> but, you know, I do know a lot of people who are very successful at it yeah. and can help you with different pieces. So, you know, it's bringing those people in with our thought leadership webinars with, um, you know, what is it that we can do? You know, having fun with it as well. You know, I think it's a, uh, it's very easy to get lost in kind of the, the stodginess <laughs> of what we do because mm -hmm. um, it's so highly regulated. Um, so there has to be a part where you do have to do that. But at the same time, you're still humans. You still want to have fun. You still want to have a conversation with somebody. Sure. And there still needs to be value in that. So how do you portray that? And how do you give that um, feeling? Because a lot of it is feeling, especially when you're trying to talk to somebody about change. They don't want to change if they're not comfortable. Right. And, you know, I wouldn't ask them to change if they're not comfortable. I would sure. never do that. Sure. So, you know, and then we're talking about like the different pieces of your infrastructure and what you're looking for and building up your marketing team is you have to have somebody who can help to relate that story. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big piece. And fortunately, we have social media now, which... <laughs> You know, when you're trying to tell somebody how to do that, you know, you have an outlet, an easy outlet. Yeah. And honestly, you know, you're talking about being cringy. <laughs> um, but, you know, you have to start somewhere. And I'm you know, the people who are successful with their businesses and leveraging social media, it's not the, it's not always the polished, finished work of like your official page. It's the people who are the faces of your company. And if you're a small company, some of the best things you can do is to get your owner or whoever that person is, um, get them on social media, engaging, giving little tips and tricks, you know, and then they promote the company. And right. it's that's where you start to see those relationships grow. You see networkings build. You start to see that um, kind of that trust building. Yeah. And that's what the marketing is about. It's about that trust factor. Exactly what you're saying. So if somebody calls, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I follow I follow your I follow your boss or I follow oh yep. I follow one of your pilots on LinkedIn, you know, they oh they have great pictures or you know something yeah. like that, you know. And so it's telling that story and building that rapport. Yeah. Cuz I I think that it's what what we've seen in the last couple of years and I've seen it is that you know, you you connect with these people where it used to be, okay, I needed to fly to mm -hmm. Columbus and go walk around the hangars, which I still love doing. Oh, and absolutely. There's still, there's still value in, in doing all that, right? But there's all these people that I know that I've actually never met before, <laughs> but they know who I am. They know what uh -huh. I've done. They've known the products and the services that I've been involved in yep. uh, or with. And just the power of that is huge. And so- you know, look at, at some of the companies that are out there today and they're wondering, okay, how do we grow? Mm -hmm. And then I look at, okay, well, let me, let me take a look at your website. Let me take a look at your, your social media right. presence. Let me take a look at, at the content that, that you guys are putting mm -hmm. out and I'll find things like the CEO is, you know, his picture's not on the website. He's not on LinkedIn. And then I'll look at their website and there's not a good description of, of what the company actually right. does, which, you know, you had kind of mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and then you'll see, okay, when was the last, you know, when's the last YouTube video that they, that, yeah. that they had posted? And it was from, 
you know, three and a half years ago. And it was, you know, on a, based on an old product. And, Mm -hmm. and these are companies that are asking, okay, how we want to grow, how do we grow? And there's a lot of, of little things. Now, um, they don't necessarily need to be all that expensive. That's exactly an iPhone. I mean, yeah, the amount of content that you're able to create with pretty a pretty limited budget and and uh, it is is pretty remarkable. Um, and you don't need you know necessarily a whole you know a, a marketing agency. You don't need a whole film crew. There's a lot that can be done to just boost your presence and get that conversation going. No, I absolutely, I mean, with an iPhone these days, or I guess an Android, I don't know, I haven't ever had an Android (laughs) phone, but I mean, an iPhone, you can do just about anything. I mean, and it's simple things, you know, like say, I mean, we're talking aviation here and mainly we're talking about like the maintenance side of it, but you know, so let's say you have a, uh, a G, a G 150 or whatever. So, and you know, there's a flap slat issue, you know, you can take, you can do a quick video saying, Hey, just so you know, I don't know if y'all have ever come across this before, but looky right here. You know, if you look, see here, 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 then this is something that you can address and fix. Yep. So here's a daily tip. Zero production, upload it, go. Done. Done. Make, Make. 10, connect, 10 connections. Oh, absolutely. People messaging you. Absolutely. The, the amount that you can gain just from simple things like that is just... It's and, crazy. And you can see smaller, um, like repair stations, maintenance facilities that do that very well. Um, yeah. You know, 135s that take the time that, you know, they have their pilots who are pretty active. Yeah. So, you know, you've got the, you know, you've got the graphics, the videos of, you know, the aircraft in, in operation, yeah. you know, things like that start to engage people. You know, how do you, how are you engaging? And with the way charters taken off here lately, I mean, it's been crazy, but at the same time, it's, okay, so how do you differentiate yourself? You know, and there's some people that I know who are doing a great job at that, and you can tell, I don't want, there, there's a, uh, there's a lot of thought behind it, not necessarily a lot of money all the time. Right. And sometimes the more money you put behind it, the longer it takes to get out as well. Yeah. And so if you can just, you know, be in the moment, do different things, this, I mean, this day and age, authenticity is key. Yeah. People want to know it's authentic. They want to know what you're doing. If you take too much time to produce, if you take too much time to polish, you lose some of that authenticity. So don't don't use that as a barrier. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that that I see is that why some of these companies or individuals don't necessarily do that is that they're kind of worried about that quality or they're, right. they're thinking through every message or every post or every picture and saying like, does this fit the does this fit in every yes. way or, you know, and, and I think that one of the things that I've always been about has been like, just, just doing right. Right. And, and just, just, just do it. <laughs> like, you know, as long as obviously you got to make sure that you're not hurting your image or right. saying something stupid that, that, you know, that can, can hurt your reputation. Um, but in general, these are like quick hit things, right? You, you know, people see them for 24 hours and then, you know, they kind of fade away. Mm-hmm. And so that that also kind of brings me to like the cadence of and all consistency, of this, right? right? And so how have you, um, it, it's very easy to like kind of do like quick pops of these things and you'll see companies go dormant for a month and then they post something. 
how have you guys like really locked in on the on the cadence? What what do you do? There? So there's a couple of different things we've done. Um, also, if anybody ever asks me about how we manage, I, I'm very much a Monday.com proponent. Yeah. Um, Greg's trying not to roll his eyes right now because he's like, oh, I love God, Monday. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's about, you know, that goes back to like my project management. And, yeah. you know, um, when you're talking about the the people who are doing this is like we have we have a great person on staff who, you know, plans it out a month. And, you know, she she sits there and she thinks about it and she goes through and we have like our standard our standard items. Um, she also, we'll also look at what's going on in the industry and just reposting things with a personal commentary, you know, what's going on our, on our page, but it's also, um, and it's kind of hard to do that on a personal one. And you can see me even on LinkedIn, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows what I personally do. Um, you know, when I post, I honestly don't post a lot. I like a lot. I react to a lot. Sure. Um, you know, I comment, but even that keeps me in engaged like, and engaged in the conversation and in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn to me is like one of the best ways to find out what's going on in the industry. I don't even know how many companies I follow, but you know, I always find some type of little random tidbit, a nugget about what's going on. And you know, that either helps me in personal conversations right. or I forward it over to our social media person and she puts that in the queue. Um, we have something for every day. You know, what are, what is it? And, you know, looking using tools like, um, HubSpot, Hootsuite, a couple of different other ones you can use to automate that. Right. So if you're a one man show, you know, you spend a you spend a couple of hours planning out and scheduling maybe two weeks. Yep. You know, they don't have to be overcomplicated posts. It could be no. a repost, it can be a picture, different things like that. You can schedule two weeks at a time. And then when something pops up, you just kind of throw that in there. But you can but the cadence is very important. Yeah. And also understanding the the channel. So like I look at I look at LinkedIn as education. Facebook is more entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, entertainment. Uh, Instagram is more like, you know, that's highly visual. So, you know, you want to make sure that it's something that's like pictures, videos, something that catches the attention. Yeah. So, you know, you do have to think about that content on which of the channels you're using mm-hmm. and how that goes through and what that audience is looking for when they go there. And so that's definitely something that you want to think about. Um so, you know, how are you doing that? Because the same post that you put on LinkedIn might need to be tweaked for Facebook. Yeah, it's sure. easy to just use the same one on all of them, but then you're not going to get the impact, right? You know, and of what of yeah, what understanding where you're posting and and how your audience may exactly. differ in those different platforms. And then then like you know, so say you okay, say you're a one man show. You know, you're just, you're just one person and you've got your schedule there, but everybody knows that Sarah's the CEO. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got Sarah, the CEO, but Sarah's also the social media coordinator because you know, Sarah, <laughs> this is Sarah's company. And so her company has these automated posts that she's put out in her cadence. She has this ready, but she also knows in the back of her mind, I'm going to reshare this post mm-hmm. and here's going to be my personal comment on my company post. And so she knows that as she's going through. So maybe once a week, she knows that I'm going to respond to this post that I've already scheduled out to give my personal perspective. And then people get one, they get kind of the company exposure, but now they're also a little bit more comfortable because they know Sarah's position. Right. So she reinforces that with her personal, with her personal comments, questions, or however that goes. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah. And so I think there's, there's a lot that can be done with just like kind of simple social mm-hmm. posts, right? Simple. I think the, the other thing that I wanted to touch upon was, was really like digging into a little bit, maybe it, this takes a little bit more planning and mm-hmm. a little bit more thought, but you had talked, talked about some of the thought leadership stuff. Oh yeah. And so one of, you know, uh, earlier this year, one of the things that I was involved in that, that you had led was, um, you know, one of the webinars that Mm -hmm. we had done. And this was a super successful event in just getting exposure and bringing uh, educational information to the, to, you know, users, to the industry. So talk a little bit about that and, and what your kind of your, your position on that and the benefits on how that all works. Well, that comes to understanding your audience Mm -hmm. and understanding your target. Right. And so like when you're talking about aviation, um, aviation maintenance, aviation operations, um, some of the topics that are the most that they need the most are not going to be topics that anybody else is interested in. (laughs) And so sometimes you're trying to tell somebody, no, no, you don't understand. This is a highly controversial topic on this regulation. And then they're like, we're not doing a webinar on regulations. I'm like, right. no, you don't understand. <laughs> this is huge. And it's kind of like, you know, there's just, that's just, I, uh. so, you know, it's, um, so in aviation right now, um, especially 91, 135s, world, different things along those lines is, um, MELs, MMELs. Right. It's huge. It's regulations. Right. So you say that and people are like, oh, Lord. But this is the content that our people need because there's so much going on around it. There's so many questions that um, education and an update is always appreciated. Right. And that has turned into one of our most successful um, webinars. And we actually did a webinar series on it. So we did two webinars on that. We're actually sponsoring a follow-up session at base because they're continuing that conversation because there's still things that need to be answered. Right. So it's knowing your audience and my audience, aviation audience wants to talk about the regs. Yeah. They want to talk about, you know, they want to talk about the technical aspects of what it takes to, to, um, to do their job, to be compliant, um, to talk about the pain points in being compliant, right? to, uh, to know what the FAA is doing and so then it's finding those right people that have the insight into that to be able to answer those questions. Right. And and it's not, um, I think, uh, uh, and I, I've thought about this in the past mm-hmm. as we were looking to do events and things like that, and always uh, always looking at it from like a sales approach. I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, we're, if we're going to do a webinar, I'm going to showcase my product, right? right. Because I want to sell. In those types of situations, you draw a lot fewer people because they need to be interested in that product. In in going down this route and becoming a resource for mm-hmm. the industry, we were able to really drive exposure to just to our brand. We didn't even talk about the products or things like that. But in this case, it was something like 50, I think if I remember correct, it was like 1500 people registered. Oh, yes. And maybe 600 or 700 people. Attended. Oh no, we had like over 800 attend on yeah. the first one, but you're, right. you're so right for, for a webinar and on and, regulations and, and, in business aviation, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, those are pretty huge numbers for, for those who know our industry to draw that type of a crowd is, is awesome. 
And we were able to um, link up with with David Burke, who, oh, yeah. you know, I call him the the MEL guru. I don't know anybody <laughs> else who loves MELs as much as 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 uh, he does. Um, but he was able to provide a lot of input, mm-hmm. and um, and we were able, there was a lot like what was there a hundred plus questions in oh, the gosh. Uh, in the in the chat, which we had to put together like a whole document and a follow up, uh, you know, it, dr- it drove that follow up. And so these are these are things where there's so many topics. Like MELs is one that like we were always hearing about, mm-hmm. but there's so many topics around the industry that you can really prov- if you're you have ex if you're an expert or you have experts that you know. This is a great way to to bring people together and have a conversation. And I love bringing in new voices. So, I mean, yeah. you know, people that know me know I've been involved in the maintenance conference for years, yeah. um, MBAA's maintenance conference, and finally going to be in person in San Antonio in May. So everybody watch. Woo-hoo. So yay, thank God. <laughs> I might even wear a sombrero. I don't know. We'll see. I love San Antonio. Um, but, you know, there's it's looking for the new voices because it's very easy also when you're talking about thought leadership to kind of – kind of gets, I don't want to say be in a silo, but there's, there's certain people who've established themselves as those experts and, and that's great, but there's also other people, you know, there's a lot of people and there's, you know, people you can bring in and kind of combining the old voices with the new voices, you know, um, it helps, you know, because there always is a slightly different perspective. There's a, um, you know, aviation, no single operations, the same, um, you know, no SOPs, the same, you know, there's, there's nothing they're not the same. Yeah. And so there's always just a little bit of a nuance that you can share with an audience that might relate. Yeah, sure. And so you want to be able to get those different voices on what they're doing. You know, talking to different um, like dealers and brokers, you know, every pre-buy is different. Every technical assessment is different. You know, everything has, a, every aircraft is different. I mean, there's so many variables, you know, it depends. I mean, that's the whole thing about (laughs) how does this work? Well, it depends, (laughs) you know? So understanding and thought leadership shows like, okay, so you want to bring it back to a, like a product perspective is that the product is scalable. Mm -hmm. And so even though we're not saying that in our marketing, like I'm not saying that in our thought leadership, I'm able to bring these thought leaders in because these are all the people we represent. Right. Sure. And so that helps. And so it kind of brings those audiences together, gives them the awareness of what's going on, and then makes it easier exactly like you said, either an inbound, you know, whether they get an email or whether, you know, that it's a cold call. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did attend that webinar. Oh, that was that MEL one. You know, I, I, I went to both of them. Yeah, I signed sure. up for both of them. Oh, yeah, okay, now I know why you're calling. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's a... Or they, they call you, you know, different thing. Maybe they have a question on MELs or maybe they just like, okay, well, let me, I'll give them a shot. Yeah. See what it's all about. Exactly. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned, uh, I'm happy to hear about the the maintenance conference oh, coming that. back. I'm so excited. <laughs> that has been, uh, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Lee is like <laughs> the maintenance conference lady. Um, I love the maintenance conference. And, uh, and unfortunately, the last two years have been... Uh, canceled yeah. or worth 2019 was yeah. the last time we yeah. saw had all our maintenance folks yeah. together so um trade shows are coming back we yes. have the base trade show that is in like a month three weeks yes. four weeks from now yes. and so um i know that in 
uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy. We're not going to talk about that right yeah. now. But um, I know that there's there's a lot of people just in general when you talk about marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are saying you know trade shows are dead, um, which I think is kind of a, I think it's a little ridiculous to say. I think I it's want, a little extreme. Yeah, a little extreme, right? Um, because yeah, you can connect with people virtually, whether mm-hmm. it's one-on-one or in a webinar, there's also virtual events. Um, but I don't believe that trade shows are dead. I love the maintenance conference. I love base. Like th- these are things that, you know, I want to keep going. Tell me what, what your, what your thoughts are on trade shows and, and maybe how things have maybe changed a little bit. Um, if you think they've changed or, or. You well, know, where, honestly, where are you guys at? Like changing, I really don't know. I mean, one of the great things like looking at trade shows is you're going to be able to see um, here like over the next year as trade shows start to be incorporated back in right. to like some marketing plans. You'll be able to see like in the past, I mean, I was in Charlotte. I always say I was in Charlotte the week the world shut down because that was the week the world shut yeah. down. So in 2020. So I was schedulers and dispatch. Schedule, and, NBAA yeah. schedulers and dispatch. Yeah. And you know, we haven't really, there's been a couple here and there, but pretty much trade shows since then have become non-existent. Yeah. So we have this block of time where you're able to see there were no trade shows. Now, granted, it was a very weird time. So yeah. it's kind of, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt when you're tra- starting to look at numbers. But people are social. Mm-hmm. Human beings by nature are social. Right. And I think there's something because aviation like I said, is worldwide, but a very small community, is these trade shows give people the opportunity to come together and they're able to see people that they work with all over the world. Sure. But in a, but in a, um, in a whole different environment. You know, I'm, you're not necessarily, I'm not just flying in, dropping in, grabbing, you know, grabbing a drink real quick and going on to my next flight. I have the opportunity to sit and converse and talk. Right. And, you know, you get to, you know, you have three days where you're able to see your international people, your local people, you know, and it doesn't matter, you know, is it your maintenance vendor? Is it your trainer? Is it your, your software provider? I don't know, the caterer or (laughs) I don't know, everybody in one, one facility. Yeah. And there's just an energy to be social, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's a lot of what we've missed and whether it's you know, working from home, um, you know, some of, I've, I've been working remote for years. And I mean, I know me as a remote worker, my trade shows where it's like, okay, this is where I get to go back to the office yeah. because now I get to go see my work family. Cause I consider like all of aviation, my work family. Mm-hmm. And so now I get to go see my work family. And, but I think that, you know, people crave that. And even though, um, maybe they didn't technically work from home, you know, aviation people work everywhere. Yeah. So these are these are opportunities to bring them together into a quasi social setting. You know, sure. still getting business done, but it's still a social setting. So I think that and I do think it depends on the industry. So yep. I mean if you have an industry that honestly doesn't necessarily in it interact. Right. I mean the, yeah, I think so, I, I think mean, you bring I, up a really unique point about that is like, you know, um, how much interaction and like everything is intertwined. And when you talk about aviation, you're flying all 
over the place. Absolutely. And you're using such a variety of services to make all of this happen. And so when you go to these trade shows, you know, it's not necessarily like a tech trade show where you're just looking at like, you know, these are all these different software providers and they all do like a little bit different of a piece of a puzzle, but they, you know, maybe they work together, maybe they don't. But Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, you know, the attendees that come to these shows work with like 30, 50, 100 of these different vendors oh. in a in a year time frame, right? And so Absolutely. Um, I think it's just still really important and just the connections, you know, obviously you can talk through Zoom, mm-hmm. you can build relationships that way, but the connections that you get when you go to these shows and it's just it's just different, right? It's very different. And I mean, I think there's something about it actually solidifies yeah. those virtual connections that you've made. Sure. I don't know how many people have come up to me and I have never met them. Yeah. But I know them. And, you know, they come up and you're like, they're like, Lee. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm just like, oh my gosh. I get to finally meet you in person. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And, you know, you give a hug, you talk, and it's like, okay, so now I've like solidified that connection that I've only had virtual before. Sure. And so, you know, for me, I am a social creature. I'm, believe it or not, I am kind of an introvert, but um, at the same time, I am social and I want to see people. You know, yeah. I want I want to give people a hug, a quick hug. I want to yeah. give people a <laughs> hug, and you know, I want to talk to you. I want to know how you're doing. I want to be able to gauge your reaction and hear your voice not just through, not just through that. And if I'm a customer, you know, as a customer attending a show, I want to go and see the people I work with, you know, because you'd get a whole different feel when you're there. It's like, you know, whether it's a good vibe or bad vibe. Yeah. Hopefully it's a good vibe. Yeah. You know, you come see us, it's going to be a good vibe. (laughs) At the very least, we're going to shove a pair of socks in your hands as you walk away. But, you know, but you get a vibe about what's going on and you need that. I, yep. I, I truly do believe you need that human connection. And you know how you do a trade show, you know, everybody has a different approach. Yeah, you sure. have different budgets, you have different you have different budgets, you have different what's your product, your service, whatever you're selling is different. Um, so you know how you approach it may be different, but the human connection is not different. Yeah. That that is there. And you know, there is nothing more valuable in a trade show booth than a smile and a hello. Yep. There's truly not. Yeah. And so if I could say anything on a trade show booth. <laughs> bring your happy pe- people. Bring your happy people. Yeah. <laughs> Put your phone down. Quit staring at your phone the whole time. You know, engage people. And at the very least, just be glad to be there. Yeah. And you don't have to do a hard sell. Hey, hey, do you want to buy this? This is not the kiosks at the mall. Right. Don't spray them with your cologne. Don't try to fix their hair. (laughs) Don't do that. That's not what we're doing. You know, but just to smile and engage because right now people are hungry for that. Right. I know I am. I'm hungry for that interaction. And honestly, if you want to come watch a demo, that's great. But at the very least, say hi. Yeah. I just want to say hi. Yeah. Because, you know, that's, (laughs) you need it. Sure. And that'll follow up in the next ones. And so, you know, the last, the last show I went to in person was 2019 base so almost Ah. two years ago which is sad um but you know the the last show that i was at was just it was it was craziness i think Mm -hmm. you know we we had an incredible show where you know it's a three-day show and literally the booth was packed out 
every single day. Yep. And so um, for me, it was very, very easy to say that that show is worth it without mm-hmm. looking at, you know, obviously you always want to measure and try and see right. how many leads and what came of it and, and everything like that. But there's something to be said that there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that, that stopped by in that three-day time oh, frame. absolutely. Right? And so what would you say, you know, I, I think some some companies may not get that level of activity, right? And mm-hmm. and it just might be your business or the number of customers right. you have or, or, or whatever. So not to say that it's a failure if you don't have, have that. But I think that some companies may not do the right prep work to mm, yeah. create it to because you have to create that it doesn't just no exactly doesn't just happen so any any kind of tips in regard and i know we're getting close here but there's still a couple oh weeks yeah no to, no absolutely keep that going any tips for driving activity and interest and getting what i call like a buzz going before before well, the show you know i think first off there's um there's understanding what you're wanting to accomplish, kind of like you were just saying. So like there's absolutely, you know, there are the measurables, you know, like how many deals were closed, blah, 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 blah. Right. But at the same time, it's like, what all are you trying to accomplish? Where is your business in its, in its um, life cycle? Are you a new business? Who's just like going for brand awareness? Are you an established business? Who's trying to go, um, trying to just kind of touch base with like existing customers. Maybe you're working on renewals, not necessarily as much new business, different things along those lines. Do you have a new product? Have you looked at all the opportunities that whoever's sponsoring this show has given you? Right. You know, have you leveraged all of the social media aspects? Have you acted excited to be there? <laughs> Are you acting like sure. you're ready to go? Yeah. I think that's, and I mean, whether it's um, social posts, whether it's calling, um, hey, I got some extra passes. Do you want to go? Can't wait to see you. You know, different things along those lines. What is that personal touch you can put to the people that you're like, you're actually targeting. But I also think being on social media and acting like you're excited, conveying that excitement out to people, um, whether it's through fancy graphics, if you have somebody who can do that, or whether it's through an iPhone video saying, hey, we're going to be there. We're going to be in booth such and such and such and such. Can't wait to see you. Need a pass? Here, shoot me a DM and I will be more than happy. I got some extra ones. I'd love to have you come join us. You know, the, the work starts long before you oh, show gosh. up at the at the show, right? I mean, honestly, you start looking at it and it's probably about six weeks out. Mm-hmm. I mean, is when you need to start your promotions. Right. Of course, it's not too late now. We've still yeah. got a month. But, yeah. you know, it's like starting because it starts to show that excitement and right. we're in it. We're yeah. here. We're in it. We're, we're dedicated. We're going to be there. We can't wait to see you. Yeah. Um, and this is what we have to show you. Yeah. So, and I think it, it comes... You know, I had written some posts about some of this mm-hmm. stuff and in, in the prep, but it, it's really about it's really about creating content that gets people right. engaged and they want to come see you there, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can post all you want about like, hey, come see us at the booth, come see us at the booth. But you why? need to do some of that. Exactly. But <laughs> why why would they come see you at the booth? And so um, I really encourage anybody who is, um, who's exhibiting to really start thinking about, okay, if you were going to, uh, a trade show, why would you go see somebody? What would get your attention? Right. And so looking at, you know, all of your products, your mm-hmm. services, going back to really like the basics of marketing, like exposing pain right. for customers, yep. 
getting them excited about a product, filling a need for uh, for them or their operation. Those are things like the basics in creating content that gets their attention, leading up to the show, getting them excited. So, you know, video content, mm -hmm. press releases about, yep. you know, new products or partnerships or, you know, uh, new people joining your team. The, it comes into like creating that content and getting a kind of a rapid cadence to it yep. to where people are saying, and we you guys are doing a lot. Like I want to find, <laughs> I wanna, it's kind of similar to when you had reached out to us yeah. you were, and reached out to me and you were like, what's going on? Like, what are you guys, exactly. you know, what are you guys up to? And, and uh, during that time, I had a lot of people from the industry reaching out and saying the, the same thing. Like, Wow, you guys are doing so much. Like, I gotta, I, I like, what's going on? What's going on? You gotta tell me about this. I think that's what you really need to create to have a successful trade show. I agree. And so there's like a combination. So, like, as we were doing our planning for our six weeks out, you know, there's, there's, we have about, I don't know, maybe about three different approaches that we're taking that are all running simultaneously. Yeah. So, you know, we definitely have the product because at the end of the day, that's that's what where that's selling, what we're yeah. selling. So we have to have that in there. So we have a whole line that's just kind of focusing on the product. Then we have a couple of other ones that are like save the date. We can't, you know, really more about the show and attending because and and come see us, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the fun side of it. Sure. You know, the fun engagement side of yeah. it. So we have, you know, so it's kind of a amalgamation of all of these that are going together at the same time. So, you know, and it's trying to figure out that cadence where, you know, you don't want them to just start deleting your emails or, you know, clicking through your ads or doing things yeah. um, or like the calls or however, whatever your approach is. But, you know, it's like, you know, here's something fun. Here's the product, which we still make fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then here's, and you know, then here's like, here's something cool that's happening at the show. Right. You know, here's something that's, here's another benefit that you're going to have. I know that, you know, you're a single aircraft operator. Hey, did you know that there's a um, single aircraft operator symposium that's going to be happening on that Monday? So yeah. we want to make sure that they're aware of that. Oh, by the way, we're a sponsor, you know, because we understand that that's important to you. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's a, it's showing that here's our product. We are focused on your part of the industry. Come and see us. Also, at the same time, another product, I mean, like with our particular product, it's like, don't wait until base. Let's right. get a demo now. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, we don't want to push, we don't want to try to push all the business out six weeks either. Right. So, you know, there's a balance as you're going through there because you want to keep the people engaged the entire process. Yeah. And, and do it in a way that is, that is, um, incorporated into your sales cycle. And I mean, yeah. you know, and without getting with all the little marketing terms <laughs> and all that other stuff, you know, when you're looking at um, lead gen versus demand gen, you know, I, we take a, a like demand gen's the big picture, lead gen's a portion of that. Right. You know, how are you going through that entire process and hitting all the points? Right. Because like the, the lead gen is a lot with the pain points, like you were talking about, you know, what are we doing? What is our what does our product hit? What does it mean to you? How does our product address your issues? And then at the same time, all of the stuff that's kind of like the thought leadership, the um, and that engagement on the other areas as you're pushing along that um, that sales cycle. Yeah, because you yeah. want them to be in the sales cycle. Yeah, for sure. I think the I had another um, another topic I had talked about, which was like start selling now. Yes, um, because you know if you start the sales process at the show 
your you know show we're kind of creeping up on the end of the year mm-hmm. so show comes you try and do follow up next thing you know thanksgiving's here next thing you know christmas is here next thing you know oh we got to wait till you know new budget. 2022 new budget whatever all the all the standard you know obstacles um if you can get the sales process started now start that conversation mm-hmm. The, the, you'll be so much better off because if it's not, if your deal's not closed by the time the show comes around, you at least get that warm intro. Exactly. You hash out some of the details at the show. Um, maybe you close the deal at the show, which maybe is so. awesome. Absolutely. Which you know, all, you know, always makes uh, marketing and sales and management super happy, yep. right? Um, but at least you. Um, at least you, you know, kind of truncate that sales process and it's not starting at the time that, you know, you get to the show because the show is not the best place to do a full-blown demo, right? No, I mean, there's there's a lot of variables. Yeah. But I mean, okay, so, and I think one of the things also, I think, Greg, like when you were mentioning, it's like when you're looking at, when when you're looking at who you're talking to at the show and, you know, one of the things that we've always done is we bring a wide variety of people you know, um, for, for multiple reasons. One, we want our current customers, we need their feedback. We want to see, you know, it's, it's a way to talk to them in a more intimate setting. You know, you're there, you're able to bring in your engineering, you're able to bring over your product, you're able to bring over your leadership who may not have met this, this, uh, this customer before, you know, you have some things that you're working on. You're now able to get some real time feedback from a variety of different people. Maybe, maybe they're a customer, maybe they're a future customer, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's kind of an ancillary person that you haven't thought about, but you know what? Their feedback is very valuable because, you know, maybe they work in another area that you wouldn't necessarily have exposure to. Sure. And so, you know, cult, cultivating and reinforcing that relationship with your current customers, you know, it's, it's a lot, you know, you don't want to lose a current customer at all. So if there's something you can do, you know, and show them your commitment to the now and to the future, you know, so you have to be ready with the right people and the right um, approach when they come up as well, because sure. it is about the sale, but it's also about retention. Yeah. And I, I think, so obviously you look at trade shows, like the big things are, you know, what can we sell, uh-huh. right? To build our business. We also want to build those relationships with our customers. The other huge thing that I always looked at trade shows, um, as was really team building. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I I think that was the most enjoyable, um, you know, right up there with if we were able to get new business, obviously, I love that. But it was awesome being able to bring the team together. I think that last show mm-hmm. we had like 30 something people there. Oh, gosh. Uh, so like coming a, in and out. It was great. Yeah, I mean, like uh, literally like a third of our entire company was there mm-hmm. and um, bringing everybody out. You know, you have some people that. Um, maybe came from outside of the industry. It's an awesome place to like really immerse yourself and say, wow, this is like, I didn't even know all of this was going on, right? Absolutely. Uh, And so it's funny that you said that because so when we um, we were just doing like our first of a prep call with the team, getting ready for base, going through all the, um, you know, what's happening, you know. We got a really cool new booth, so I'm excited about that. Sweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, all those little things. But at the same time, you know, when you talk about, I think that the the enthusiasm behind whoever's planning it 
goes out and it, it kind of infects the rest of the company right. because when it, like, exactly what you were saying about like the team building issue, this is an opportunity. I mean, I've been, I've been in aviation for, oh gosh, September's 21 years that I accidentally ended up in aviation. <laughs> and, you know, this is an opportunity for me to share what gets me so excited about when we're talking about it. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, yes, you get to go see like, okay, so you've been doing, you know, you've been, maybe you're on like the revisions team and you've been putting information in for like Pratt or, you know, Rolls Royce, GE Aviation. So you've been, you've been kind of looking at the manuals and you know what they are, but now you get to go see what that engine is yeah, and you get to see the cutout and you get to see how it moves and how it works. You know, you get to go over to the West Star booth and, you know, you get to see what the, what is an MRO? Yeah. I, I mean, I see this name coming through on like, you know, as we're updating logbooks, but what is it? Yeah. You know, I get to go over to the Bombardier booth. I get to go over and see these aircraft. And, you know, um, one of the things is like make seeing if they can go out and see the static display. Because not everybody gets to go to the, you know, like one of your favorite things, you know, walking yeah. through a hangar. Exactly. But not everybody can do that. But we can at least expose people to that. And then they start to see the big picture of where they're helping people. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, where are you helping people? Why is, you know, we're safety, reliability, innovation. Why is that so important? You know, right. this is what you're doing. And, you know, when you go and you're like able to sit in even, even a mock-up of like, like Garmin has a great booth. Yeah. I mean, when you're able to go to the Garmin booth and you see their full gla glass cockpit Display, yeah. and, you know, it's, it just brings things to a different level where you can associate what you're doing with the real world. You're not as disconnected with what your with what your customers are going through yeah, anymore. Sure. So being able to share that, the excitement, you know, it's it's just a whole different world. Yeah, and I think we always came back really energized. Absolutely. Maybe a little tired, especially if My it was hurt. Vegas. Um, yes. but um, definitely energized about like everything that was going on. Being able to talk with customers about the product, you know, mm -hmm. we had we brought people from every department, yep. including. I, I always thought that. You know, our engineering team, exactly. these are the guys and girls that were actually building these products. And sometimes they were, they were built off of, you know, my ideas or somebody else's ideas or whatever. And so for them to then go and talk directly to director of maintenance exactly. or a parts manager or a pilot and say like, okay, now I really get like why we're building this. And they were able to take feedback yes. from, from those customers directly one of the things I always loved about that team was that, you know, we gave them direction, but they always came back and, and gave their own direction mm -hmm. to it. And that's, I think, how we, we were able to build really great products. Uh, and, the, and the trade shows really, like, facilitated in, in doing that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and like I said, it's from – and also, like, having, like, engineering and product be able to listen to the questions during a demo. Yeah. You know – you know, it's yeah. not, it's, it's not just the current customers. It's like, you're giving a demo and they're like, okay. Oh, so that's what that question yeah. means. That's why, <laughs> that's why like Greg was coming back and saying this, or, you know, somebody from sales was coming back and our client services was coming back and saying this because these were questions that came up in a demo because what we do has to be scalable because nothing is the same. Yeah. And they're like, okay, so that, okay, now I, now it clicks. Yeah. And it wasn't just, you know, Lee's random thought because she was left alone too long. Yeah. Um, you know, it, there, there's a reason behind it. 
And, you know, especially when you're looking at um, like airworthiness and safety and, you know, depending on the aircraft, you know, like this is why. Yeah. This is why. And, you know, this is why the, the FARs say you must. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say you might. It doesn't say here's a good idea. It says must. You know, so that so there's that. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. It says I must do that. And okay, so it starts to click and, you know, from the very beginning. And so what are those pain points that they're seeing? How do we address it? But I, one of the things I've always loved about our engineering and product is they haven't been confined to the old way of doing things. Right. So they take what comes in, just like any, any good business does, you know, they take what comes in and then they put the 21st century today's approach yeah. to what, how we can address, how we can address that pain point, how yeah. we can address that using modern tools, technology, but also thinking about tomorrow and the day after, because this is the things that we can impact. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I think, you know, kind of a, a similar topic. I think a lot of that plays true in this, you know, you came originally entered aviation in the education Correct. Uh, yeah. side of things. And I know that you've been a big advocate for, kind of workforce development, mm -hmm. bringing people into this industry. It's obviously, it's like one of the big topics that's out there oh. about, you know, the, the uh, workforce shortages and, and especially in business aviation, um, it's kind of one of the segments of the industry that maybe doesn't get as much exposure. And so when people think, yeah. you know, when, when kids are thinking about uh, aviation, they're thinking of, okay, well, can I be a pilot? And am I going to be a pilot for, you know, Delta or American Airlines, which obviously is a route and there's plenty of people that do yep. that. But how do you, how do you see this workforce development and, um, and things kind of changing in this space? Well, I think the, so, you know, there's a, so yes, started in, I started at a 147 yeah. school. Like I said, I truly did end up, yeah. I, I needed a job. Um, <laughs> And I was, my husband told me I had to go back to school when we got married and moved up to Fort Worth. So I was like, okay, I'll go back to school. But I was like, I have to work. So I ended up working as a student worker and it was in a 147 school. Yeah. That turned into a full-time job, which then turned into like the NCAT certifications, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, part of my job was advising. And as you look over the years and you, um, like that was 2000, that was 2000. Yeah. We moved to Fort Worth in 2000. You know, the exposure to business aviation and as, a few years later, I got very involved in MBAA. I was doing the scholarships, you know, and I would talk to the students about the scholarship opportunities. Yeah. And I remember telling the students, I was like, you don't understand. This is a Falcon 2000 maintenance initial. And they're like, eh. And finally, I like, got to the bottom of it. I'm like, no, seriously, this is like a $35,000 scholarship. Yeah. And they're like, eh. I was like, do you even know what a Falcon is? <laughs> and they're like, no. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. Come on, let's go. You know, it's like, okay, let's let, let me yeah. show you what business aviation is. First off, business aviation is anything where you use an aircraft for a business application. Yeah. It's anything. It can be your 172 all the way to your BBJ and everything in between. So what is business aviation when you look at it like that? But when you look at like, and I could always kind of tell which students kind of gravitated more to different industries because you could just kind of tell on their their interests, but you know, like the students who are wanting to, you know, work from tip to tail, understand how the entire operation, because there's very few of those positions in an airline, you yeah. know, there are those positions, but they're very few, 
you know, usually kind of become a specialist in a particular area. But I'm like, you don't understand. You get to work on a G550, the whole thing. Yeah. And maybe even fly all over the yeah. world with it, you know? <laughs> and these are the opportunities. And, and, but that exposure wasn't there. But then that was, that now we go now and you see more of the exposure with social media, leveraging those different tools. Um, there's still a big education gap when you're talking about exposing students to business aviation. This past year and a half has been pretty rough just because uh-huh. you couldn't go to the, avi- the main schools. Yeah. You couldn't go to the flight schools talking to about them. Um, and then obviously right before, right before all the COVID hit, the airlines were grabbing everybody. Yeah. Everybody, every pilot, every mechanic, every anybody they could get, they were grabbing everyone. And so you were seeing kind of an exodus from um, business aviation into airlines. And then the world shut down. And then they started kind of coming back. And But now it's picking back up. So there's a lot of people who are exposed to business aviation now that hadn't really thought about it because they'd started on this one trajectory and all of a sudden they had to pivot. Yeah. And so it's like, whoa, I got my pilot's license. What else am I supposed to do? And it's like, okay, well, here, here's other opportunities. Here are other segments of this industry that are still working. Yeah. But, you know, when I think about like technology and different things on how that plays in workforce in our, in our development is like people want to use what they use in real life. Mm-hmm. And when you make, you know, this, this is a, um, you know, the, anybody who's like gone to school in the past 15 years, 10 to 15 years, you know, this is, these are people who do all mobile banking. They do all their shopping online. They, they converse online. They chat. They do everything. They do everything online. They do it from their tablet or from their phone. Yeah. And so then when you take them and you put them into a work environment that doesn't, you know, when they're looking at something and saying, uh, what is this? Right. They're, they're looking for a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I always say, you know, you want to give your people the best tools and you want to make them the most efficient possible. And you don't want to add an administrative burden just for the sake of an administrative burden. Yeah. And so, you know, you look at these and you look at people coming in and, you know, they're used to all the information on their fi- at their fingertips. You know, they want to be able to do a quick search. They want to be able to look at it. Um, they want to be able to do simple things like e-signature, you know, whether it's um, in their electronic flight bag, whether it's with their maintenance, whether they're doing a checklist or they're booking, you know, they're working with their FBO um, at, the end of their, yeah. at the end of their flight. That's the world we live in. And so when you look and you're trying to show somebody, like aviation has lost a lot of people over the years to other industries. You know, mm-hmm. what are those other industries that may have taken a more modern approach? You know, whether it was oil and gas, whether it was the railroad, elevator operators, evidently, elevator maintenance. Yeah. That was a big one, losing students to elevator yeah. maintenance. Um, you know, there's a, they have options. So what do you show them about the value of what they're doing? Because some people come into an industry because they've been watching airplanes their entire life. I wasn't one of those people. Right. But, you know, when you're looking at it, how do you, these are all the cool things you get to do. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's one of those things where if you're a leader in this space, this is something that you can't afford to not be aware of and, and conscious of because you're relying on you, you have to keep the people that are in this industry right yes, now. You and need you need to create a path to bring new people in the industry mm-hmm. to make this sustainable, right? 
And so I think that, you know, looking at, like you had mentioned, looking at the technology, looking at, I think one of the things that I always noticed in some of the organizations was maybe not a clear career progression, right? And there's a lot to business aviation and there's a lot of great opportunities for, for people in this, in this space and really trying to, um, when people are entering or maybe are thinking about entering, really trying to educate them on like everything that's out there. Because I think right now, like you look at the aircraft that are coming out of production, like these are almost just as much computers as they are. Almost more so. Right. And so there's, we should be looking at pulling people from the, that are going down a technology career path and pulling them into this space. Absolutely. There's a, there's a business, uh, there's a huge business aspect to what's going on. So bringing, you know, uh, business majors or mm-hmm. people like that into it. There's, there's just huge opportunities. And I think when you look at it, so, you know, it used to be like, well, you get your AMP. Go work for a service center, and maybe you'll get lucky and get picked up by a yeah, flight department. Exactly. I mean, that was it. Was yeah. like, okay, well, wait a minute. That's that's what that's my career path. And you know, there there's been initiatives over the years. I mean, my whole Incat one was trying to find additional certifications to start highlighting those specific skills, especially in the avionics world, because like like you were talking about advanced electronics, avionics, getting into you know, yes, your airframe covers that, but that doesn't mean you should be doing right. that. <laughs> let's, let's just be honest. You probably shouldn't be doing that just because you have an airframe license. Um, but there's the technical side of it, and you definitely want to build that. You know, whether it's um, Rolls-Royce and their new virtual training for their engine, their engine maintenance. I mean, I'm hoping they have that at base because I just want to go sit and do that. <laughs> know that I can go play with an engine and not break anything. That would be great. Um, it's about how I do on flight simulators. But anyway, the uh, but, you know, there's there's ways to show what that progression is going to be. And, you know, you've always got to focus on your technical skills, but they have to be complemented by the business management. I mean, there's you can't get around that. You yeah. need to know. You need to know accounting. You need to know finance because especially if you're like in a 91 operation, you're almost like your own little business inside a big business. And you have to be able to show the value of your flight department to the big business. Mm -hmm. And so you have your little business inside your big business that you have to be able to converse about because those people just see numbers. They don't understand the business case for your flight department. And as a leader in a flight department, you need to be able to articulate that from um, you know, what is the business case? If you're in a 135, you need to know, you need to know the business of aviation. Yeah. You know, and as you're, um, you do see more DOMs who are getting into like director of aviation places, um, positions and, um, you know, kind of get taking those leadership positions on. And I think that's great for the industry because it brings in that diversity of experience and new perspectives into your flight department. And so you're starting to see, those progressions as as they're going forward and you're able to talk about them now you know you have you know whether you go to an embry riddle and you're getting your um, aviation maintenance management degree you know what are you doing that are you going through the mbaa's cam program um you know there's different things now that are helping you to build those kind of those those skills needed to progress yourself Sure. And you don't necessarily have to be dependent on your company to provide it. Yeah. So you still have to show, regardless of your industry, you still have to show some initiative to take advantage of those opportunities to go forward and continue educating yourself. And especially technologically. 
don't forget don't forget the core of what you're doing just because you got your AMP. Don't forget what you're doing. Yeah. You know, take advantage of every single education opportunity. And one of the things that's great about social media now is like I have people reach out to me. Be that person. If they reach out to you, if they have a question about, you know, if they see that you are a, a director of maintenance, if they see that you're a chief pilot and they and they reach out to you, be that person they can reach out to. Doesn't mean that you have to be their dedicated mentor, right. <laughs> but you can find and you can help them explore these different options. Send them links to scholarships. Show them there might be a whole nother school. They don't know there's an Antelope Valley College that they can go get an A, A and P from. <laughs> they don't know that exists. Yeah. Or, you know, that there's scholarships for flight schools, that there's that there's local organizations, that there's a girls in aviation day. They don't know these things exist and it's up to us to be responsible to educate on what that is. And we have those tools now with social media. And honestly, we're doing a pretty good job of it, yeah. but it does take a village. You can't just depend on the organization to do it. Yeah, You have to share that stuff. You have to engage. You have to do these different things for to bring in the pipeline and then to develop them. Because, you know, we talk a lot about the bringing them in. But just, it's kind of like retaining a customer. Right. We got to retain our people. Yep. And what do you do to help them retain and grow to that next level so that way they don't leave us? Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. <laughs> I, may, I may be a little passionate about that. <laughs> I think so. A that, that's why I wanted to, I know, that's like, I okay, wanted to ask you about <laughs> it. So, well, it's awesome. I mean, there's a lot of awesome things going on right now between so technology and kind of shifts in the industry and new people entering the industry. I think there's a, there's a lot going on. I'm really excited about it. I'm seeing it from um, maybe a little bit different of a, a lens right now. Um, but yeah, NBAA is in, in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be there. I will be there. ATP will be there. Yep. We got uh, a big booth. Where you remember your booth number? 1133. All right. Well, eleven thirty-three. Be yeah. right there. <laughs> so anybody who's listening, go go uh, go link up with Lee and uh, and check. I might out have ATP some socks. Booth. I'm just saying, there might be some socks there, and I'll probably give you a hug. I don't even know who you are, but I'll probably give you a hug. I'm just so excited <laughs> to see people again. I'm so ready. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anything else? Um. Well, if I start, I'm going to get on another soapbox, Greg. You know, I will. It'll <laughs> it'll just keep going and going and going. But no, just you know, I'm. I'm excited. I think just one like closing, closing yeah. thought is, you know, like my little silver linings, you know, talking about like one of the things that all this past 15 months, whatever many months is 10 years, two weeks, <laughs> I don't even know anymore. I think it really has like forced people to think about, to think about how we communicate differently and almost force them to use the different channels in ways they hadn't thought before, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. And I think combining that with our personal aspect is, you know, it's, 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 there's a paradigm shift in how we, it's forced everybody to do it. Yeah. And so I think that's a good thing because now we, you see more people leveraging the tools they have than they ever have before, whether it's for workforce development or for building your own personal brand or working for your company. And, you know, it's here, it's there, and we are engaged. So it's, it is good to see people still engaged, but I am ready for, um, like, people. Face-to-face -face I'm ready engagement. for face-to-face -face and people. Yes. Yeah. Hear voices, <laughs> you know, you know, see people, eye contact, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It was awesome having you on, and good to see you. Yes. And, yeah. Tell I'll, Millie we miss her. Yeah, I will. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Greg.